0: So I love, um, I love this community. I've been part of this community for, oh, about maybe more than 25 years now, I think, and there's many times when Sarah and I have thought that it would be nice to move somewhere a little bit more picturesque or uh, exciting. I grew up in Exeter which is a beautiful cathedral city, Southampton. Phil's looking at me with slight disdain. Phil's from Cornwall. And there's a bit of rivalry between Devon and Cornwall. But I don't think you've got any cities in Cornwall to rival Exeter, have you, Phil? Truro. True. True. <laughs> <laughs> we'll chat further later. <laughs> But um, the the reason that we've stayed in Southampton is because of this community. We have just found that in this community, we have found friendship, we have found love, we've encountered God in the most powerful of ways. And when we thought, should we move ever from Southampton, we were always saying, yeah, it'd be great to go somewhere else, but we want to take everyone with us. So, who fancies moving to Devon? Should we do it? Should we go? All of us. Let's get a really big house together, shall we? What do we think? Anyway, um, the reason I'm saying that is because actually we as a community are gathered here as God's people in this city, serving this city. And there are some really key parts to our community that are really important. Understanding what the foundations are, what are the values that we stand on, what are the core beliefs. So as part of this series, we're about four or five weeks in, looking at our six core values and recognizing that actually we are not just a bunch of people who gather together on a Sunday morning. We are a body of people who have been called together by God to walk out this life through all its challenges and all the fun and excitement and all the joys and through the tears and to walk together, discovering God's goodness for us and also bringing our life and the life that God's placed in us to those around us in this city. Should I change mics? So I keep going. How boomy am I? I'm happy. What what would you like me to do, Phil, Mr. Soundman? I'll keep going. I'll keep going. going. Brilliant. Okay. So last week um, I spoke uh, about community and uh, talked about community being the soil in which we need to be planted if we are to grow into the fullness who God's created us to be. If we are to grow as mature followers of Jesus, we need to be rooted in the soil of good, godly Christian community. And I also said this, I said, we only grow life-giving Christian community when we reorientate ourselves, no longer asking what I can get, but what can I give now, there's someone in uh, this congregation here who's been in the congregation for a number of years, a wonderful lady, and probably seven or eight years ago, um, I'm not sure how long she'd been in the church at that point, but she was feeling on the edge. Who here has ever felt on the edge of things? Whether it's here in this community or in another situation, she felt on the edge. She didn't feel connected, she didn't feel particularly part of things, and, um, and she was finding that really hard. And it would be very easy for her to have maybe drifted back a little bit, not come quite as regular on a Sunday morning, maybe in time drifted off and got involved in another church, maybe feeling a little hurt, a bit disappointed, maybe carrying some of that sense of hurt into the next church that she went to and looking out and wondering whether or not she was going to experience the same. But I'm really pleased to say that actually she made a very different choice. She realized that she didn't feel particularly part of things, she felt on the edge, she wasn't very involved, and she recognized that she had a choice to make. And she chose, instead, to step in. So, she, first thing she did, she signed up to a rota. She got involved on a rota and she joined a team. Who, who loves rotas? <laughs> Rotors, eh? Gareth loves rotas, that's brilliant. But she decided to join a team. And she said, she said this from the church church, several times over the years. As she committed into becoming part of a team and serving into this church, everything changed. And she found that no longer did she feel on the edge, but she felt part of something. She got to know people. She became known herself. And she went from feeling on the edge not feeling part of things, to feeling integrated and part of the family. And now she has made a huge contribution in this community over so many years. There's so many different ways in which she's quietly involved in her own way. She's quite an introvert, um, so you won't often see her at the front of things, but she has found a place of life and she's bringing life to others as she does that. And I'm so glad that she made that choice, to ask what she could offer rather thinking about what she wasn't getting, what was missing, what she'd get for herself. She discovered the heavenly reality that it is more blessed to give than to receive. What she did is she took ownership. Now, ownership is our fourth value. And uh, as you can see on the screen, it actually sits, our values are grouped under the three, three actions that God has called us to. He's called us to love God, to love one another, and go and make disciples. And this sits as the second one in that category of loving one another. And when we talk about ownership, what we're saying is we serve, we take initiative, and we give of our best. And we describe this like this. We all have a part to play and a contribution to make. We are God's church, and together he has given us a vision to fulfill. We choose to give our best to serve God and to serve one another. We don't wait to be asked, but instead ask, what part can I play to help this community thrive and fulfill the vision that God has given us? So what does it mean? to take ownership of the vision that God has given us. That is the vision to follow the way of Jesus, make disciples and bring life and transformation to every area of Southampton and beyond. Well, at its core, ownership is taking initiative and responsibility for our own growth and for the success and flourishing of this community and for the fulfillment of the vision that we share together. That is, taking initiative to follow Jesus, to make disciples, and to bring life and transformation to Southampton and beyond. So we're gonna look at those three areas, following Jesus, making disciples, and bringing life and transformation to Southampton and beyond. And we'll ask, what does ownership look like in each of those three areas? So first of all, following the way of Jesus. It means taking ownership of our own relationship with Jesus. It's so easy, isn't it, to allow ourselves to be carried by others in our faith. We go to a big Christian festival, maybe wildfires or new wine, or back in the day, Soul Survivor. And we have the excitement of being gathered together at those big conferences. We can be inspired by others in our hubs when we get together or in our pattern groups. And we may be inspired reading through a book that talks about someone else's adventure with God. And they are all really good things. And there are times when life can be hard. And it's healthy to allow others to carry us. I've shared over the last few weeks about some of the challenges that Sarah and I have experienced over the years, and I can tell you that in some of the hardest and darkest places, we have been so grateful there's been a community of others around us carrying us. There have been moments when our circumstances have been difficult and it's been really hard to know what to pray. But we have known that this community and many others are praying for us and carrying us and lifting us up in their prayers. Encouraging us, getting around us, supporting us. And I know that is the experience of so many in this community. But if we are always relying on others to carry us in our faith, we are going to be so limited in our growth as followers of Jesus. If we only worship when we gather together with others on a Sunday morning, if we only open our Bibles when we maybe do a Bible study in our hubs, if we only dig into scripture when someone else is preaching, and if we only pray when we have the prayer meetings that we have every few months, we will be stunted in our growth as followers of Jesus because we need to learn as well as those things, and they are good things and important to be a part of. We also need to learn to feed ourselves, to give Jesus one-to-one time in our week, to read scripture on our own and ask God to speak to us as we do, to worship in our homes or in our cars or as we take a walk, to make prayer part of our daily lives. And some people would describe this kind, I've heard it described this, this week as this. Some would describe this kind of ownership as self leadership. It's leading ourselves into a growing relationship with Jesus rather than waiting for others to lead us in. And the thing that you'll find, in my experience, is that when you intentionally invest in your relationship with Jesus and your own spiritual growth, the times when you gather with others on Sundays, in hubs, in pattern groups, in your homes, will often become so much more fruitful and more powerful because they become an overflow, an expression of what is already going on deep in your life as you walk with Jesus. So when you're building and investing yourself, then when you come to gather with others, you will likely often meet with God in a more powerful way because you're more deeply rooted and connected with him already. Or perhaps discover the teaching miraculously and strangely, uncannily connects with God God has already been speaking to you in the week as you've opened up the word. And you will find yourself being an encouragement and an inspiration to those around you. Because when God fills us up, we tend to leak over the people around us. Jesus said about prayer, When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Jesus Jesus didn't say that was the only way to pray, because he also went to the synagogue and he went to the temple, but he's talked about the importance of going and finding that private and personal space with God. Now, um, for me, this has been quite a hectic week, in fact, quite a hectic few weeks, and uh, I got to Thursday morning, I'd been away for three days at a learning community in Peterborough where a load of churches gathered together, and um, I, I, was, I was exhausted, I've got to be honest. I was Thursday morning, I knew I had this talk to write, I had not written any of it, I hadn't really thought much, I'd thought about it, but I didn't have any ideas, and um, have you ever been in that place where you've just got loads to do, loads to think about? You're tired, and you just can't focus on anything. There are things here, there, everything, responsibilities, things to do. So I, I knew I wanted to spend time with God. I knew I needed to pray. I started to pray. My mind was all over the place. I really struggled, but I knew I needed Jesus. So I put on some worship in the, uh, in the front room. I shut the curtains so it didn't matter how stupid I looked with uh, any of the neighbors. And I just worshiped. And I spent, it ended up being about an hour, and I found myself on my knees, tears streaming down my face as I met with Jesus. And I poured out my heart to him, and I connected with him deeply. And I found that at the end of that hour, I was still tired, but somehow my heart was settled, and I had a real clear sense of what I needed to bring this morning. And it would have been so easy that morning to press on with the tasks that needed to be needed to be done. So right on my tour, lots of other conversation, I'd have emails to catch up on because I'd been away. And so often that's the choice I make. And yet on Thursday morning I chose to stop and to be in God's presence. And I'm so glad that I did. It was a critical moment in my week. And it has meant, you should be pleased, because I've actually got something to bring this morning. It's so important that we gather together to pray and to worship and to open scripture. But we must also take ownership of our own relationship with God. It's crucial if we're to grow and if we're to bring what we're called to bring into this community. It's all about making disciples. How do we take ownership in making disciples? Helping others grow, not just being focused on our own growth. Jesus said this in Matthew 28. He said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Does that sound daunting? It does to me. Go into all nations and make disciples. And most of us, myself included, can feel that we don't actually know how to make disciples. What does it even mean? How should we do it? Should should I, should I get 12 guys to come and follow me Wherever I go, and if you think about what happened with Jesus and the rabbis of the time, those 12 disciples did everything with Jesus. They ate with him, they slept in the same room as him probably. They even talk. I've heard it said that rabbis even had their disciples follow them into the toilets because they wanted to just glean every bit of information they could. They copied everything. Should, should we be all be doing that? If we did, it, what, what, what would we teach them? Where's the program that I should follow to make a proper disciple? And surely, maybe this is just me, but surely I'm not good enough or wise enough or mature enough as a Christian to ask others to follow me. Surely not. But we need to realize that we're not asking people to follow us. We are asking, we are simply helping them to follow Jesus. And that's what discipleship effectively is. If we break it down and recognize what discipleship really is, it is essentially just helping others to get to know Jesus a little bit better than they already do. And to grow in the faith. Who here can help someone else get to know Jesus just a little bit better than they already do? Every single one of us. If we know Jesus at all, even just a little bit, especially if we have taken ownership of our own relationship with Jesus, we can help someone else grow in their faith. We can tell the stories of what God has done in us, where we've met with him, where we've encountered him, how he's changed us. We can share scriptures that have spoken deeply to us and just say what impact they've had. We can encourage Others to pray, to read scripture, to worship, to to be part of church community. We can maybe be there to listen and to encourage when people find it hard on the journey. And we can be attentive to the prompting of the Holy Spirit as we listen to that person. And you'll be surprised how often God will prompt you and lead you when you're uncertain and don't know what to do but you're in a conversation with someone who you're encouraging as a follower of Jesus. So um, there's someone who actually uh, I know, who is um, probably about in his late 50s or so, and uh, I've chatted with him a few times, and he isn't a Christian, or wasn't a Christian, um, but he talked about being really keen to go and do an Alpha course, and he's got to know some of the team here, and he likes us as Christians, as a church, um, he tried an Alpha course a few years ago. Didn't feel it was quite for him, and I think as some people do on Alpha, thought he was got there on slightly false pretences. When he got in the room, it was all lots of Christians, and he was the only one who wasn't. And so we said, I said, look, well, we're going to run some Alpha courses at some point. Why don't you come along? Um, and then we didn't run an Alpha course when we were hoping. I said, well, come along on the next one. When's it going to be? Not quite sure. And kept having these conversations about Alpha, and I suddenly realised why on earth am I waiting for the next Alpha course? before I start actually just talking to him in a bit more detail about Jesus. So I said, well, look, do you, how about we, do you want want to have a coffee together sometime? And he said, yeah, that'd be great. I said, well, why don't you just watch the first Alpha video? Because you can get them all online. Watch the first Alpha video, and then we'll we'll have a chat afterwards. Any questions you've got, I'll try and answer them. Can't promise that I can, but let's have a chat. So he watched a couple of Alpha videos, and we met, and we talked, and he asked questions. And... Actually, what was fascinating was the insights that he already had into who God was. It was a wonderful, wonderful conversation. So I said, Well, look, why don't, why don't we meet again in a couple of weeks? So we met again a couple of weeks later, just for a coffee, just for an hour. And by then, he discovered um, The Chosen. Anyone watch The Chosen? Yeah. Powerful, powerful uh, CBC Vincent it already. It's basically it, it's telling the story of Jesus, but from an image, it, it goes through the Gospels, but also imagines some of the backstories of the disciples and so on. And it's, it's very powerful. Um, so he started watching The Chosen as well. And he just was going through episode after episode. So we'd meet and he'd chat and we talk. And then I encouraged him, why don't you start reading through Luke's gospel? So he started reading through Luke's gospel. And we would meet up every couple of weeks and we'd talk. And I tried to answer his questions. Most of them I could answer, but not all. I'd share some of the stories of my life and my encounter with Jesus, where they were relevant. But often I didn't quite know what to do. But I tried to be listening and being attentive to the Holy Spirit. And I was amazing how just as we were talking, Bob would perhaps pop a story into my mind or a particular passage of Scripture. And we would also create a little bit of space as he, as he grew in confidence and more desired to find out more about Jesus, just to take a moment to stop and pray and allow God to speak. And as we did, I was there nervously going, oh, I prayed a prayer, Lord Jesus, would you, you want to show him someone, something from you? Would you show him thinking... This could be embarrassing and awkward if nothing happens. He had a really clear picture from his childhood that was profound and deep because we trusted God in that moment. And now he's been on a wonderful journey and um, he would now call himself a Christian um, and he's talked about how God has changed his life. It doesn't have to be difficult. Sometimes it's just as much as offering to have a coffee with someone and have a conversation. And it's been an immense privilege for me as I've journeyed with him To see how God has changed. I haven't changed him. God has changed him as he's profoundly met with him. Now you may think, well that's easy for you Theo because you're a church leader. You know how to do all these things. I've got to say, yes I am a church leader. I'm not sure I do know how to do all these things. I'm learning and figuring it out as I go along. But we can all do it. You only need to be a one week old Christian to help a not yet Christian or a zero week old Christian journey in their faith, and encourage them. And can I say, if you are a parent here in this room, take ownership of discipling your children. It's not the church's responsibility to disciple your children. Though we play a part and we support and encourage, it is your responsibility to disciple your children. If you are taking ownership of your own relationship with Jesus, you already have all the tools that you need to disciple your children. But again, it can feel daunting, can't it? You know, what should I do? Should I do a detailed Bible study with them every night? Maybe I should pray with them for half an hour every morning. I should read the Bible cover to cover with them every year. Well, maybe. But actually, probably what's... Much more important is that you're open and honest with them about your own journey of faith. And you allow them to catch a glimpse of you taking ownership of your own walk with Jesus. And then simply share the fruit that comes from that. Talk about it around the dinner table, when you're walking to school, as you drive them to a club in the car. Deuteronomy chapter 11, it's in the Old Testament, it says this. So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. It's the words of God. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. Talk to them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Let your family conversation around the dinner table include stories of what God has done for you. Allow room for them to ask questions. Help them process how God can help them respond when they experience challenges with their friends. Read the Bible with them at times as well as reading storybooks and novels have some worship music on in the house every now and again just to create that space and atmosphere of worship to Jesus and we find for us as a family having a couple of moments a day where we just take a moment to intentionally focus on God really really helpful those things are simply we say grace before we have dinner and pray at bedtime grace sometimes and most days ends up as being thank you Jesus for our food amen and then we tuck in But it is a moment to stop and pause and remember Jesus. And often, if we just stop and pause, we get a chance just to thank him for something or to pray for something. Um, When it comes to bedtime with my girls, I've been really blessed. I've inherited something from my family. My grandmother started um, with my dad singing a little song. It's a bit of an embarrassing song if I sing it. This goes like this Jesus, tender shepherd, hear us. Bless your little lamb, Beth and Emily, tonight. Through the darkness, please be near her. Keep her safe till morning light. Now, I don't sing that with Emily anymore. <laughs> but what I find is because it becomes such a routine, that if I forget to do it, Emily would have, and Beth and still does, say, so, oh, Dad, do you haven't sung prayers yet tonight and we'll do it as part of that. Often that's all we do. But at other times, it gives an opportunity to say, is there anything you want to pray about? Is there anything you want to talk about? And sometimes as we read together, we will um, read a little passage out of the Bible. Sometimes, occasionally, we'll take a moment just to say, why don't we just see if God wants to say anything to us? Let your children see your love for Jesus. Don't fake it. Be real about the challenges. But let them see what Jesus means to you. And discipleship is a great joy. I have loved those moments with Bethan and with Emily over the years where we have gone deep as we've talked about Jesus. And they've often happened at surprising times. And I've loved the moments with the friend I talked about who was interested in Alpha and he's gonna come on the Alpha course that we're starting in a few weeks' time. As I've talked about Alpha and chosen the Bible with him. But if it's going to happen, if we are going to help others walk with Jesus, we do need to be intentional and take ownership because otherwise the chances are it just won't happen. So thirdly, looking at how we take ownership of that vision, part of our vision whereby we bring life and transformation to Southampton and beyond. Well, it begins by taking ownership to see this community flourish and thrive because if we're not flourishing... And thriving, how can we expect to bring life and transformation to other communities in our city and beyond? Romans chapter 12, Paul writing to the church in Rome. He says this, recognizing that every single one of us has a part to play. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith, according to your faith. If it is serving, then serve; if it is teaching, then teach; if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Notice that Paul says each member belongs to all the others have a look around the room do you realize that you belong to all these other people how does that make you feel that's what Paul tells us we belong to one another and it's so counter-cultural to the culture that says do your own thing you know live your radically individualistic life as long as you don't hurt anyone it doesn't matter just you do you but Paul calls us to something radically different To give ourselves to others. Being part of God's kingdom community as we are here means that we experience certain paradoxes. We receive by giving away. We win by surrendering. It is in welcoming others that we find ourselves at home. And we show up. Not for our own sake, but for the sake of others. And before we can start using these gifts that God's given us to help community flourish, we first need to show up because showing up is the very first step of taking ownership. Uh, Now I know there are a few runners in the room um, and uh, I run occasionally, I wouldn't really call myself a runner, but they say, and I can recognize this, that actually the very first and most important but also the hardest step when it comes to running is the very first step you take to step over the threshold and get out of your house. You see, showing up is vital for this community to thrive. And Christian communities rarely flourish or thrive unless they are built on a regular routine of gathering together for worship and prayer. Which is why it's so important to be here each Sunday morning or if you're part of one of our Sunday Transform Hubs meeting there on a Sunday morning. As well as meeting our hubs and pattern groups. I'll be honest and I've hesitated to say this. But I am concerned by the increasingly sporadic nature in which some people come to church on a Sunday morning. Because it is so important that as a community, we gather each week to worship together and to hear what God is saying together. And when you're not here, or not gathered in your Sunday morning, Transform Hub, Shoaling, or and Park, our community becomes less without you. We don't want you to miss out on the journey. And maybe a little selfishly, we miss you because you're needed and you're loved. And we need you as part of this community. We need you to spur us on towards love and good deeds, to encourage us to hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. We need your unique gifts to help us flourish as a whole. And when we do show up, On a Sunday morning, or in our hubs, or in each other's homes, what does taking ownership look like? It means, firstly, offering our gifts and talents, and it means meeting the needs that we see. So first of all, when it comes to offering our gifts and talents, there are so many gifts in this room. To name but a few, there are people who are brilliant at DIY, and praying, and sewing, and encouraging, and fixing cars, and cooking, and baking, and listening And financial planning, people who are good with young people, people who are good with the elderly, people who are good at driving, people who are good at leading others in worship, people who are great at cleaning, making others feel welcome. Just to name a few, there are so many gifts in this community, in this room. And taking ownership involves offering these gifts to this community and learning to use them in harmony just as the body works in harmony, as Paul tells us. So if the arm works independently of the brain, and my arm's doing all sorts of stuff I don't want it to do, there's a problem. If my heart refused to beat faster when other parts of my body are getting going like I'm running, I've got a problem. When the body doesn't work in harmony, it's said to have a disease or some form of dysfunction but to work in harmony with our gifts together. We need to offer our gifts open-handedly to make them available to be, able to be used or not. Now, there's someone in my family, my extended family, who has a car that they no longer drive, and they want to give it to my nephew. Now, my nephew is a student, and he doesn't drive. And he doesn't want a car. And uh, when he's not at university, he lives in London, inside the Eulet zone. And this car that the other member of my family wants to give to my nephew is an old diesel. So it probably cost him 12 pounds every time he took it off the drive. But the family member is insistent that my nephew has it, that he wants my nephew to have it. And it's a gift that would definitely bless someone else, but it won't bless my nephew. And that gift is not being offered open-handedly, it's being imposed. Anyone been there, felt a bit like that with a gift that's been given? So we need to offer our gifts open-handedly and not take offense if they're not used in the way that we would like them to be. Hold them lightly, but offer them generously. Two great examples I've seen recently of people taking initiative to open-handedly offer their gifts into this community. Uh, probably about six months ago, maybe a year ago, um, uh, three, three guys in their 30s, 40s got in touch and said, look, we just really want to pray for the church. And so could we come and just meet in the prayer room and pray for the church once a week? And we said, absolutely, yes. They saw a need to pray and intercede for our church and they stepped in. And they did it. Another couple, many of you probably know who I'm talking about, who are brilliant at welcoming people on Sundays. Helping newcomers especially feel that they are welcome, connecting them in. And they came to us and said, "Um, look, we'd love to help improve the welcome in the church. But equally said, look, we don't need to be involved. We're really happy not to. But if it's of help, we'd love to be able to help you. And uh, they're now leading our welcome team and doing a great job of just helping all of us come together and be better at welcoming new people. These people didn't wait to be asked, but they took ownership and they offered open-handedly, and they are helping our community to flourish. But what about meeting the needs that we see? Ownership also means not only that we offer our gifts, but that we also serve in areas that we're not particularly passionate about or particularly gifted in, simply because there is a need. So I am not passionate about cooking, but I can cook a meal. And I can therefore make a meal for someone when they need it. I'm not passionate about cleaning. I don't particularly enjoy it. But I can get a hoover and pick up cups on a Sunday morning if I see them lying on the floor or in the tears. I'm not the most pastoral person. I'm in the pastoral team, But I am in awe of all of the other members of the pastoral team who are wonderfully pastoral and put me to shame. But I can ask someone how they are and give them some encouragement. I'm not the most extrovert, but I can welcome someone new and make them feel at home. At the end of the day, ownership is being willing to lend a hand in whatever way is necessary to see this community flourish. And it's not waiting to be asked. But the vision that God has given us isn't simply to see this community flourish, but to see the city around us flourish too. God spoke to the Jewish exiles. They've been taken from Jerusalem, they've been taken from Israel and Judah, and they've been taken to Babylon. And through the prophet Jeremiah, he said this to them as they're sitting in Babylon He said, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And we too have been called to see, to seek the peace and the prosperity of our city, of Southampton. To take ownership means playing our part in bringing life and transformation to Southampton and beyond through transform hubs and through warm space and community cafe and meeting points and Fair share in our places of work, in our neighbourhoods, through our friendships, overseas, volunteering in various different ways. And it's also taking initiative to seek God for the solutions to the challenges that our city faces. Allowing ourselves to be used to bring God-led change and transformation to the 250,000 residents who live across Southampton. The people who call Southampton their home. And I am so proud that there are so many in this community who are doing just that in their everyday life and through their everyday work. We have teachers and doctors and nurses, medical researchers, project managers who help discovery of new cures for diseases. We have council members, we have directors of public health and many, many more who are making the choice in everyday life as part of their work to help bring some of the solutions that our city needs. So together, let's take ownership or the vision that God has given us, that together we would follow the way of Jesus, make disciples, and bring life and transformation to every area of our city and beyond. I'm gonna leave us with a final question. What part can you play to help this community flourish? And fulfill the vision that God has given us.